This is an AMI podcast. Hello, I'm Joyita Gupta, host of The Pulse on AMI Audio. It's a show featuring in-depth conversation about the biggest challenges facing the disability community. With today's fast-paced news cycles, it's often hard to get the big picture. Join me and other members of the disability community as we take a deeper dive into the issues that matter to you. Listen to The Pulse wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Lewis? Lewis, stop, Lewis. Sit. Wait. Okay, wait. Hey, everyone, it's uh, Lawrence Gunther here. Welcome to another edition of Outdoors with me, Lawrence Gunther. As always, we'll be starting with some education from Miss Lily, all about ice in the Arctic. Hey, this whole episode's about ice. What's going on with the ice, and what can you do to have fun on ice? It's January. What else are you going to do? I'll be talking to an outfitter who rents out fully equipped cabins on the ice that you can rent for the weekend and fish right through the holes in the floor. These things come with TVs. I'll be having a chat with Dave Brown about what makes ice fishing a truly accessible winter sport. And then you'll be hearing some on-ice tips and a little more iteration from me that takes ice fishing truly into the world of geek. Real cool tech coming up. So strap on your ice cleats, folks, and let's go find that ice shack. Come on, Lewis. Forward. Getting schooled with Miss Lily. Lily, finally we've got some ice. You know, here we are mid-January. I've been waiting for ice to go ice fishing, <laughs> and it's always been like two inches, three inches, back to two inches, more melting again. All December we were waiting, and first part of January, third weekend of January, we're finally getting some solid ice. You know, I've been really excited for the ice to go snowmobiling, but the first rule to know is when you go on the ice to fish or to snowmobile or to run around is to keep in mind that the ice is never like really safe. You can never say the ice is safe. You always have to check. I check it with my big, fat, metal white cane. It's actually called a spud. It's about a, a meter spud. and a half long. Yeah, it's a spud. It's got a little chisel end at one end and a handle at the other. And I use it kind of like a white cane when I walk out on the ice. But then instead of tapping, I chop the ice with the, with the bit at the end. And then based on what I hear, if it sounds like kind of like bonk, bonk, bonk I know it's kind of not safe it's not solid if it bounces back i know it's thick and hard but the first thing i'll do is i'll try to chop a hole through the ice just to see how thick it is if i get down four inches five inches thick and i'm still not through we're good you know you only need four inches of good ice to walk on mm -hmm. according to the earth observatory in the report the changing state of arctic sea ice across all seasons 2020 continued a 40-year trend of declining arctic sea ice oh boy up yeah. there too eh yep. uh -oh. so pleasant uh -oh. well starting in 1979 you know scientists began monitoring sea ice coverage using satellites this cool. Yeah, I know. The satellites can measure how much of the Arctic Ocean, Great Lakes, and other big water bodies are covered in ice, as well as when the ice forms each fall and when it begins to melt every spring. The only thing these satellites can't do is determine how thick the ice is. The most important part, yeah. right? Like, is it safe to go out? Is it not? Are you going to crash through at some point that would be nice to know i know wouldn't it well not knowing's the real problem for inuit hunters too like who yeah. depend on going on the ice to hunt and fish and for millions of other canadians who like to go on the ice 
yeah, there's a lot of people who go out there and ice fish in the winter. I mean, there's literally cities of people out there ice fishing on Lake Simcoe and even around Ottawa here. Many lakes are popular ice fishing destinations, but that's recreational, right? I, I really feel for Inuit people in the north who depend on the ice to go get their food. Well, if only everyone had one of your spuds. <laughs> According to the Earth Observatory, uh, the thinnest ice in the Arctic in 2020 came on September 15th. Arctic sea ice on that date covered an area of 3.74 million square kilometers. So what's it normally cover? Well, it was the second lowest amount of Arctic sea ice since modern record keeping began 40 years ago. Yeah. It usually covers about 4 million square kilometers. So it's down about uh, 250,000 square kilometers. That's yeah, uh, that's good. that's a decline. That shouldn't be happening. Mm-mm. Not only is the amount of ice in the Arctic an issue, Throughout 2020, the Arctic experienced other very unusual climate events. Like what? Well, in the spring of 2020, a heat wave over the area of the Arctic that lies within the boundaries of Siberia caused a massive fire on land and even a more rapid melting of sea ice. Boy, you know, that fire, that went on forever. And they say it might burn all winter underneath the snow. In the moss. In the moss. Yeah. Yeah. Scientists tracking air temperatures in the Arctic are recording that the number of warm days each spring and summer and fall is also increasing, meaning more ice is melting and less ice cover on the ocean. Basically, spring is arriving earlier and earlier each year, and even worse, winter's coming later and later. So. Well, that's the same down here, right, in southern Canada. You know, yeah. except where you get those polar vortexes. Polar vortex? Yeah. <laughs> okay. What's a polar vortex? It's when the uh, the jet stream, right? The jet stream, it's a, a river of air, fast-moving air in the atmosphere. It moves from west to east, and it sort of blocks the Arctic cold air from drifting south. But that polar vortex is slowing down. That jet stream is slowing down. And the river sort of just droops down into southern parts of Canada, and the Arctic air, that cold Arctic air, follows it down. And we're, we're, we get those now. Hmm. Uh, according to the Earth Observatory report, once again, freeze-up in the Arctic is happening about a week later each decade. Freeze-up is happening a month later than it did 40 years ago when they started keeping track. That's a huge difference. That's a big difference. Yeah, we got to stop climate change. We do. Yeah. The change is part of a cycle. It's called the ice albedo feedback. It's when dark open Arctic Ocean water absorbs 90% of the sun's energy that would normally be reflected back into space by much lighter and more reflective ice. And if you're walking around on the ice, you're not looking at the sun, but you come home at the end of the day, your face is red, it gets sunburned. The sunlight bounces off the ice and into your face. Yeah, bright sea ice reflects 80% of the sun rays. Wow. wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. Due to the Arctic Ocean being exposed to the sun rays earlier in the season, more heat is being absorbed and stored into the ocean's water. Because the Arctic Ocean is now warming, that the remaining ice is melting even faster and reforming later each year. Dominoes. Dominoes. Oh, boy. One yeah. thing leads to another, to another, to another. During the summer of 2020, ships easily navigated the oh. northern sea route in ice-free waters and even made it to North Pole without much resistance. I, I love to go to the Arctic because I love being on cruise boats and I love being on ships and I love the cold. So that should be so much fun and I really want to see what's going on up there. Are you dropping a hint? Mm, <laughs> I don't know. Hey, thanks, Lily. No problem. Time for the bucket list.
It was well over 10 years ago that I first met Yannick Loringer. He's an Ottawa native, living outside Ottawa, actually in Rockland, along the shores of the Ottawa River. A young man who was hell-bent on making a living fishing. Not an easy thing to do. If you've ever fished a river, you know it's not an easy thing to figure out because there's always current, and the fish don't like to be pushed down the river, so they're hiding behind this and that and the other thing. You've got to figure out where those hiding spots are if you're going to catch fish. The other thing about the Ottawa River is that there's over 80 different species of fish that call it home. Everything from the apex musky, that's really a freshwater shark for all intents and purposes. These things get up to two meters, well into the uh, 30 kilo range for the big ones. Those are big fish for sure. All the way down through walleye and bass and northern pike. And one of Yannick's favorite, the channel catfish. Yannick founded Ottawa River Guided Fishing in 2010 and hasn't looked back. He's out there year-round. In the summer, he's taking guests out in his boat, thousands of guests by now. And in the winter, he's got huts out on the ice and some of the most amazing huts. I was fortunate to be the one to sleep in the first overnight hut he ever built. This thing was massive with a generator, a big flat-screen TV, a stove, bunks for six, an outdoor outhouse fully lighted on the outside as well with floodlights. It was everything you could ever want for a weekend fishing trip. You can fish right inside these huts. Anyways, I'm gonna get Yannick online here and he's gonna talk about his business and what it's like to have guests sleep on the ice in your cabins. What do you have to do to make sure everyone's safe and taken care of? Never mind ordering pizza in the middle of the night and actually showing up at your cabin door. Hey, it happened. Yannick, welcome to the podcast sir. Uh, great to have you on board again, man. Yeah, thanks, Lawrence. It's been a while. I think the last time uh, we got to chat was uh, a chilly December uh, afternoon on your boat chasing walleye in Rockland. You told me, come down at the end of the day, be there on the water around 2.30. We'll fish until 4.30 when it starts getting dark. And by then, the bite is starts and it's over. It lasts maybe 45 minutes. And you were right on every count, man. And we caught so many nice fish. It was a really fun day. And actually, this past December was the only time other than that time you and I went out that I fished the Ottawa in December in my boat. I love the Ottawa River, and people talk about Bay of Quint, people talk about Lake Erie, and I think, you know what, we've got the Ottawa River. You don't have to go that far to catch a wonderful walleye. No, absolutely. It's hard to find a body of water in this area that's got better numbers of walleye than the Ottawa River. Now, we don't catch trophy fish like you do on the Bay of Quinty with that frequency, but they are in here. I've, had, I've caught a handful of walleye over uh, over 30 inches with myself and my guests. Uh, and, uh, you know, we got the trophy muskie here. we got big largemouth. So it's absolutely a, a perfect fishery, if you ask me. I think muskie-wise, it's probably one of the best muskie waters in North America. I mean, it's up there in the top five. There's no doubt about that. Top five or average size fish here as well. Again, we don't get numbers like they do, say, on the Rideau River or obviously like Lake St. Clair. But I think our average muskie here is probably uh, bigger, as big as anywhere else in North America. This year, we had a great stretch of muskie fishing. We ended up catching uh, six in a span of 10 hours on the river. Uh, it was a great, great year for muskie fishing here. You know, that Ottawa River, it seems to have just about everything, right? I mean, in the spring with the, uh, with the catfish and then mm-hmm. right into the walleye and then the bass and the, and the muskie and the pike. But it doesn't stop in the winter, does it? No, not at all. There's a bustling ice fishing community here in Rockland. There's a, you know, a dozen probably different spots that have clusters of ice huts. Uh, mine included, as you know, I, I rent out luxury ice bungalows here in Rockland on the Ottawa River. It keeps me busy all winter. 
People love to uh, really trick out their ice fishing huts. They take a lot of pride mm-hmm. in building these beautiful on-ice chalets, but I think you've trumped the ball, man, with that shack of yours. <laughs> Flat screen TV. Yeah, the idea is we want it to be like a, a luxury cottage on ice for our guests where, you know, we do our best to put those things on fish, but if the guys aren't on fish, at least they've got everything else they need to have a good time. So when our guests show up, they're supplied with the generator, all the gas they'll need. They have bait, they have satellite TV, there's a kitchen, there's a porta potty at their door. So it's really, we try to make it as all-inclusive as possible so that, you know, if, if the fishing is slow, at least, you know, everything else is, uh, is perfect for them. Well, I was saying in the introduction that you invited me to come out and uh, mm-hmm. be the first guest in the cabin and write an article about it for the mm-hmm. magazine, and we did. And I, I, as soon as I got off the phone with you, I got on the phone with my friends. I said, meet me yeah. at the bay. <laughs> and they all yeah, showed yeah. up. And then you, you you surprised us. You said, hey, if you guys want to order some pizza? And I said, what are you talking about? You, said, you can order pizza. Yeah, they yeah. bring it right out. And they did. Yeah, and, and that's the advantage to where our huts are. Like, we're just outside Rockland, so you can get... Anything from any restaurant in Rockland delivered. I know if you did forget anything at home, there's a Canadian Tire, there's a Walmart, there's a beer store, an LCBO right there. You're still relatively close to home, but you're still in in an ice bungalow on the Ottawa River in 30 feet of water, catching walleye, catching ling, catching sauger, catching pike. So, you know, I, I've never had complaints from my guests. $200 a person for the weekend. Mm-hmm. That includes their everything they need, even a bucket of minnows. So, I mean, they mm-hmm. really they don't have to come with anything except some snacks and, and pops. And uh, But, you know, you do it once a year. It's just a chance to get away with your, your friends and not have to worry about anything. You're warm, you're dry, you're comfortable. Yeah. You don't have to drive home. You can just sleep it off and wake up in the morning. That, that was a thing, man. I remember, like, I woke up in the morning. I'm in my long johns. I just flipped my legs out of the bed. I grabbed my fishing rod. I open up the hole in between my feet there on the floor, and I just start fishing. And next thing you know, I've got this huge fish on. <laughs> yeah, you caught a muskie that morning, if I remember correctly. But the other thing I liked about it is that we were outside too, right? And we had you had all the holes cut outside. You had mm-hmm. floodlights, so we could set up our, our tip-ups out there, and we could mm-hmm. monitor the flags through the window. So we're fishing inside. And uh, everyone's comfortable. And then, and then you see a flag pop up and everyone's yeah. throwing their boots on, running out the door. It was just hilarious. Yeah, it's the best of both worlds. And that's the beauty about ice fishing in general, I think, is you can be as elaborate or as, as basic as you want to be. You know, you can sit on a five-gallon pail with, you know, watching one tip up and a little basic jigging rod with just a jig and minnow. Or, you know, you can have something as elaborate as, as our setups where you've got no satellite TV and indoor holes and beds and kitchens and and whatnot and there's no a thousand different options in between i do it all every year like i'm sitting on a bucket at the beginning of the year because i don't want to bring anything out you know i'm on maybe four inches of solid ice and then as the season goes on and the ice thickens up i I bring out the snowmobile i bring out the flip over Mm -hmm. shack i always think i'd love to have a real cabin but i like to move around and then if i want a cabin i'll just rent it from you because i know you've got it always on the best water I do my best to put them on fish. Some guys do bring uh, ATVs or snowmobiles when they rent the bungalows, and they'll bring their own pop-ups where I can supply some for them too if they want to fish somewhere nearby, but not exactly where the bungalows are. And then if all goes well, we'll be in one of the big bungalows right on the drop-off, catching some walleye, hopefully, and some ling at night. The walleye bite at that drop-off on the channel, the edge of the channel, that's a really nice afternoon bite that just goes on like from noon on. And that's the beauty about Ottawa River walleye. We don't have a problem catching walleye midday, like especially in the summertime. And then again, like this time of year, like uh, like most of the big walleye you've seen me put up on Facebook and on my website, they get caught 
between 10 o'clock in the morning and 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, I'll tell you, you know, anyone wants to have that experience of sleeping on ice, and, you know, mm-hmm. you're, it's so quiet out there, and then all of a sudden you hear the cr- the ice crack, you know, like a pressure oh, yeah. ridge, you know, a rifle shot going off, yeah. like a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some, some guests get a little bit scared by that, but that's a good sign. That means it's, we're making ice. Ice expands, and it's got to go somewhere. And there's wolves, too. Like, you can see wolves on the ice. Well, uh, coyotes and wolves, and uh, two years ago, we had a herd of deer cross the river from the Quebec side to come spend the day in the bush right next to the bungalows and then cross back over to the Quebec side uh, that afternoon. We had a whole flock of turkeys too that were using uh, the bay to cross uh, from one side to the other of the river uh, just about every day a couple of years ago. You never know what you'll see. There's a lot of bald eagles around and then uh, no, I really like being out there at night. There's something just so surreal and so peaceful about being out there at night. There's no noise. You see the glowing lights from Ottawa. Uh, it's just a totally different experience being out on the river at night. And your eyes really adjust because you got the glow of the snow and there's nothing around. So yeah. you can see quite a, quite a ways, can't you? Yeah, like on a night where there's a decent moon, uh, you don't even need the, the floodlights really to see your lines. You'll see the, the lines just fine. And, uh, uh, you know, a lot of our big walleye get caught uh, in the dark. The biggest walleye I ever caught personally was caught right where the bungalows are sitting uh, at 9 o'clock at night on uh, the February full moon. Nice, nice. Yeah. Yannick, thinking about this again, and then i got to come out and see you again, man. Uh, you know, you always make sure I learn a lot about fishing. You know, even how to distinguish between a walleye and a sauger and a mm-hmm. saw guy, right? I mean, all these three variations of this species, I learned all that from you, my friend. Oh, well, I'm glad I could do that for you. Yeah. Well, thank you. You've done a lot for me over the years and uh, entertained my blind guests uh, as I brought them in from all around the world and mm-hmm. uh, put us on fishing every time. It's always been a pleasure uh, sharing a boat or an ice bungalow with you, Lawrence. Outdoor tips and tech. Six degrees on your left, 122 meters. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Last year, the country saw a massive increase in the number of fishing licenses purchased by Canadians. It turns out fishing has made for a great social distancing activity during the pandemic. Though the months have gotten colder, that does not mean the fishing has stopped. Whether it be solo or with your family, ice fishing is still an option to enjoy the outdoors at a distance. Joining me now to discuss the merits of ice fishing is our environmental contributor, Lawrence Gunther. So, Lawrence, I think our regular listeners know that you are a very passionate angler and fisherman. So tell us about your passion for ice fishing. How did you first become interested in ice fishing? Well, like many people, you know, you do something with an uh, an adult, right, uh, when you're a kid, and it, and it sticks. I mean, we had a, a pond, and we put trout in there. And the first winter, my dad said, let's let's take a look. So we chopped a hole through the ice with an axe, and we dropped a fish line down there, and boom, instantly, there was a trout. Five minutes to catch five, six fish, the, enough for uh, to feed the family for the day. So that was, that to me, that was just like going to the fridge, you know? It was amazing, absolutely amazing that these, that there was life underneath the ice. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very fascinating concept to think, you know, the fish don't disappear in the winter. They still find some life underneath that ice. So, so yeah. as we kind of stay in your autobiographical world, what's your favorite location for some ice fishing and what species of fish do you like, do you like to go catch? My neighbor 
they were into ice fishing a lot and they had a little grocery store in our hometown and they would supplement the, uh, the offerings in the store with white fish that they caught on Lake Simcoe. So they had a snowmobile, a little ice hut. And uh, I got invited to go sometimes up, up to Lake Simcoe with them ice fishing. And it's a world, Dave, it's a world of ice fishing huts and anglers out there on the ice. There's more people fishing Lake Simcoe in the winter than there are in the summer. And this wow. is, you know, this is an easily an easy hour drive from Toronto, but you go up there and there's literally thousands and thousands of huts. And then at some point people drive out there and they have ice roads going out there and, uh, you know, with their trucks and their cars. And then in the spring, there's inevitable ice flow with, 40 ice anglers, you know, drifting off uh, on a oh, chunk dear. of ice that they have oh, to dear. be rescued. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, Lawrence, what about a wish list? Do you have a dream spot that you'd like to do some ice fishing? Well, I, I was up in um, Iqaluit, and I was it was March, and there was, a, of course, lots of ice. And I, I, I said, look, I, to these uh, people I was hanging around with up there, I said, let's go ice fishing. And they said, Lawrence, it takes a day to drill a hole because you <laughs> – you, you have to go out with 12 feet of hole digging equipment. You start with a six foot piece, you drill down six feet, and then you unbuckle the, uh, the, the, the drill bit and you add a six foot extension. And then you drill down another six feet below that. So you're going through 12 feet of ice, you know, three, uh, four meters of ice. And then you hope the whole thing doesn't just get trapped in the ice somehow jammed in there. Because then you have to get in and more equipment and chainsaws <laughs> to try to get your pit <laughs> He said, he said, it's a, he said, we don't, we don't encourage ice fishing at this time of the year. The ice is just way too thick, but you know, to, to, to be up North, you always hear these stories about people who, uh, you know, who survive and they put nets under the ice and they catch fish with nets. And, you know, the, 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 the traditional story of the, uh, Inuit woman who did most of the ice fishing, men didn't, men hunted seals and women ice fish and they've done this for thousands and thousands of years just with a uh, with a, a small decorated uh a tractor on a bit of um some sort of yarn or cat gut or something to get it down there and a spear and they would kneel down on the ice and they would use their hood on their parka to create a sort of envelope around the hole in the ice so that no light would penetrate and their eyes would become adjusted to the dark. And there's enough light penetrating through the ice that it becomes a world illuminated. So they would they would kneel there with their face pressed up against the hole in the ice with a in one hand an, an attractor and another hand a spear. And that's the traditional three-prong ice fishing spear. And when a fish would come over to look at the attractor, because they never had hooks, they would then quickly thrust their spear down and, and spear the fish. They could be in that position for hours, wow. hours, waiting to feed, you know, just ca to catch a fish to feed their family. Now, we do that now with, uh, we still carry on that same practice with, with ice huts. We close the windows. We open up the floor. We sit in there in the complete darkness. And you look down, and you can see down, you know, 50 feet, 60, 70 feet, no problem, because the water is very calm. There's no wind anymore. So all the sediment in the water just drops out and, and the light, like I said, penetrates through the ice. So if you have some vision, it's just looking through, you know, beautiful high definition reality straight down. Wow. And, and now, now you've got sonars and people bring their sonars and they drop cameras down there and it, <laughs> and it, it almost becomes like a, a video game. You can see the fish on your sonar coming up to your lure. You can see your lure. And you can see the fish coming up to it. You can see the fish take your lure before you feel anything. And uh, kids just love that. But it's it's it gets a little expensive. And I have a sonar system. 
I just let my friends use it, and I just go by feel. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask Lawrence, because I've told this story on the air before, that I, I used to hang out with a couple of my radio buddies. Once a year, we'd go to just uh, west of Ottawa and uh, do an ice fishing trip, which was mostly about drinking scotch and less about fishing. But for those who for those out there who might uh, be listening and thinking, I wouldn't mind giving this a go sometime mm. uh, this, this winter, what kind of uh, tips or gear uh, do you recommend for folks who might have low vision or uh, might be blind in terms of enjoying the ice fishing? So there's two ways to catch them, really. There's an active jigging, so you're lifting the rod up and down. You lift it up, and then you follow the lure back down as so it drifts back down naturally. And quite often, the fish will follow it up, and then as soon as it stops and starts, it makes it descent again. Just at that peak at the top of the uh, of the curve, the fish will bite. So you want to lift it up and pause and then follow it back down, and all of a sudden, bam. So that's a very feel-the-way kind of bite. And then there's some more dead uh, stick what we call uh, technique where you just put something down there and you leave it. And there's uh, if, if people do this, you can watch or you can set little bells. I a little bell on the, on the tip of your rod, you know, <laughs> got a bite. It's always fun to talk to Dave Brown about anything. Here's some more information about some of the tech I use out on the ice. Some real on-ice coverage of me using this stuff. Lawrence Gunther here. I'm on the lake with my guide dog, Moby, and I'm gonna do what I like to do best and that's go feel the bite. But first I have to find my holes. I drilled earlier today. And how does a blind guy find his holes on the ice? Well, I got some talking GPS that's gonna make it happen. Let's get going. Come on, Moby, on a butt. Atta boy. 26 feet, 11 o'clock. And I think we found the hole, listen. Two feet, two o'clock. Two feet at two o'clock. So it must be right around here somewhere. Oh, there it is. Two feet, two o'clock. Perfect. Feeling the bite with my Fraybill tip. I'm doing it a little differently, though. I've got this Blue Tips Bluetooth wireless transmitter. And that's going to tell me when I get a bite. So I'm going to put on this receiver. It's on. When I get a bite and the flag flips up, it sends a signal. And wherever I am. You know, I can be in my hut. I can be in my Fraybill flip over. I'm going to get that signal. I'll set it back up, put that down. There we go. That'll stop in a second. Pop this in my pocket. There we are, like that. The other thing I need to do is when I want to check my tip up, I need to find it. So I've got here a little wireless sound emitter, and I gotta put that on a little carabiner. I'm gonna just clip that right here to the uh, spring, and I'll put that right there on the snow. So when I want to find it, I'll just trigger this little key fob here. And that'll tell me when I where my tip up is. Hopefully I'll catch a fish. Got my hole, got my Fraybill straight line out there, got a little minnow down below. Got my minnows, dogs all set. Let's get warm, Moby. Let's catch some fish. Wish me luck. Some people call fishing for fish that you can't see fishing blind. You know what? When you're fishing through the ice, we're all fishing blind. Here's a tip. The easiest way to get on and off the ice if you're a person without sight is to follow your co-angler. Listen to the crunch of their feet going through the snow or the sound of their sled scraping over the ice and snow. 
There's a lot of noise when these people walk on ice, and it's easy to follow. Use your white cane to help push that sled along. Then you're helping out too, and following. There you go. Good luck. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or visit me at lawrencegunther.com to keep up to date on my blogs and videos. Subscribe to get the latest episodes of Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther by visiting your favorite podcast provider. And please take some time to rank us and give us some comments on your podcast provider's site so other people will learn about our new show. Send me your feedback, suggestions, and questions on email at feedback at ami.ca or on Twitter at AMI-audio. I want to thank Nazreen Abdel-Majid, Sam Robinson, and Paula Deneen. They're my technicians. The manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.